The Exponential Technology Report, 30th of October 2019. Welcome to the Exponential Organization podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. This is the weekly report focusing on the news stories for this week that focus on exponential technologies. The show is sponsored by Deerstorm, a leading exponential growth consultancy that can provide services ranging from an hour advisory call with a network of over 2,000 consultants worldwide through to the 10-week EXO Sprint. Visit www.ideastorm.ca.za to find out more. So just to start, a couple of reminders, as I, I normally do. Uh, the first one is a reminder that the exponential technologies fall into different categories which are 3D printing and digital fabrication, artificial intelligence, augmented and virtual reality, autonomous vehicles, blockchain, data science, digital biology and biotechnology, digital medicine, drone technology, Internet of Things, nanotechnology, networks and computer systems, quantum computing and robotics. So quite a few exponential technologies that we focus on during the report. Um, the second reminder is that you can go to my website, www.ideastorm.co.za, and you can access the blog. So I, I write a blog with all these stories, and so if you don't like listening to things, you can read them in the blog. And you can also click on the Exponential Technology tab of my website, and you can download a PDF with all the different news stories that I've put together since I started doing this podcast about three weeks to a month ago. Uh, and with links. So it's basically goes through all the exponential technology categories. Uh, it's got you know, pictures of the new stories, and then you can click on a, that particular picture to go through to the website where it comes from. So I, I don't write any of these new stories myself. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an engineer. I'm just collating them for you so that you can access them in one place and be up to speed about these crazy, crazy things that are happening in the world. And every week we focus on really outrageous things, and this week is no exception, so I'm sure you'll find it interesting. For this report, the format I use is to go through the exponential technologies in alphabetical order. All the links to the articles can be found uh, in the associated blog, like I said. Right, so we start off with 3D printing and digital fabrication, and there's always an article about 3D printing. Uh, two weeks ago, we had an article about a boat that had been built using 3D printing in 72 hours. Last week was that 3D printing is going to be used to create rockets. And this week's is Dubai creates world's largest 3D printed building. And that's from esquireme.com. And you can Dubai creates. So in the line with Dubai's mission to embrace 3D printing into construction projects, the Emirates have just grabbed another world record for creating the first two-story 3D printed building. After more than a year of testing and tinkering, the property in Wasson has been unveiled and given its deserved record. Standing at 9.5 meters tall with an area of 640 square meters, it is the largest 3D printed building to date. Even more impressively, it was built with only 15 people. The feat was achieved by laying a fluid across a path calculated by a computer. These fluids rapidly harden to form a solid structure. These solid structures are continuously built up on, adding more and more layers of fluid mapped out by a computer. This happens over and over till the layered solid walls 
uh, form walls, ceilings, and floors. This is not the first 3D printed property in Dubai, however, with Emo Properties recently unveiling its idea for a residential complex of 3D printed townhouses spanning 30,000 square meters across a four kilometer boulevard. Dubai's new record shattering building is hailed as producing 60% less waste than conventional construction and proof of 3D printing as a method to produce complex buildings. The next, artic next article is from Artificial Intelligence, and the title is Facebook AI Can Hide People from Facial Recognition, and that's from www.engadget.com. And the article says, Facebook has already stopped using facial recognition by default, but now it might have a way for people to dodge facial recognition altogether. Its researchers have developed an AI system that can de-identify people in real time, including live videos. The approach pairs an adversarial auto-encoder with a trained face classifier to ever so slightly distort a person's face in a way that confuses facial recognition systems while preserving a natural look that stays recognizable by honest-to-goodness humans. You might see tiny differences in Jennifer Lawrence's face. That's the picture if you go to the, you know, my website and you click on the link, you can see Jennifer Lawrence's face, for instance. But you won't have any doubt that it's her. The AI doesn't need to be retrained for different people or videos and produces only a little time distortion. Don't expect this to reach Facebook in the near future. A spokesperson told VentureBeat that there's no plans to implement the research in its products. With that said, some of the practical applications are already clear. This could be used to automatically thwart third parties using facial recognition software to track people's activity or generate deep flakes. Theoretically, you could upload a video or a house party without worrying that your friend's facial data will be harvested against their will. So the next article is from Augmented and Virtual Reality. And this is an article called Microsoft's Dreamwalker VR turns your daily commute into a totally different one. And that's from artesanchannel.com. Let me, let me spell that out for you. A-R-S-T-E-C-H, the R-Tech. NICA.com, and you can get the, the link on my website, like we said. So researchers at Microsoft have developed a new VR technology that they claim allow users to remain fully immersed in a virtual world, even while tra traversing public places in the real world on foot. Microsoft describes the project, titled Dreamwalker, as a method for allowing people to safely navigate a given route in real-world environments, such as a daily walk to work while seeing themselves strolling a different VR world, such as a city of their choosing. The real-world path and corresponding virtual environment are planned in advance based on geolocation data that's uploaded on the fly as required in an uncontrolled outdoor environment. Any potential obstacles the user encounters while traversing real space are recorded by real-time sensing technologies in the VR apparatus including a dual-band GPS sensor, two RGB depth cameras, and a Windows Mixed Reality provided relative positioning trace. Those obstacles may be replaced by obstacles in the virtual world, such as roadblocks. Additionally, a video game quest marker like Arrow will direct the user to what is deemed to be a safe and efficient um, traveling direction. Discovered obstacles that may move or appear in users' paths are managed by introducing moving virtual object, obstacles or characters, such as pedestrians walking near users, to block them from any potential danger, the blog post explains. 
Other options for controlling users' paths may include pets and dynamic events such as vehicles being parked, moving carts, and more limited only by the imagination of the experienced creator. The system tries its best to introduce these virtual objects outside of the user's field of view to minimize unrealistic pop-up, not dissimilar to how a 3D video game environment uses streaming and frustum culling, that's a new word for me, to maximize performance or introduce new assets to the scene. So can you imagine? So first someone walks around with all this apparatus on them, and I'm sure that'll shrink over time, but then walks in a virtual environment in the real world. So can you imagine the accidents that's going to happen in that kind of environment? It's just like difficult to comprehend. The article ends with Dreamwalker actually uses another Microsoft research developed tech called Miss Unseen, which allow, allows convert, covert changes to be made to a VR environment while the user gaze and attention are fixed on something else. To do this, it, it does this thanks to eye tracking technology. So that's something to look forward to. If your children aren't listening to you, they might actually be immersed in a virtual real world. Next article is from Autonomous Vehicles. And the title is The Race to Build a Flying Electric Taxi. And this is from the bbc.co.uk. So the article is, for any commuter, the prospect of being whisked to and from work in a fraction of the time, it usually takes is pretty irresistible. And um, well, I think teleporting would be better, but. No traffic jams, no train delays, and no cold platforms. What's not to love? This is the promise of more than 100 companies developing electrical, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, and the, the acronym is eVTOL. Like helicopters, they don't need a runway, but unlike helicopters, they promise to be quiet and cheap. Yet the dream seems to be some way off. Industry experts say that taxi services using such aircraft won't be a mass market phenomenon until the 2030s. So what is the holdup? There are good reasons why the eVTOL industry is focusing on short hops in and out of cities. Firstly, there are plenty of potential customers in cities. Secondly, eVTOL aircraft can't fly very far. Most have batteries that can allow them to fly for about half an hour. In the case of Germany's Velocopter, this amounts to a range of about 22 miles, 35 kilometers, with a maximum speed of around 68 miles per hour, or 110 kilometers an hour. That's quite fast when you think about it. On Tuesday, it made a test flight over Singapore's Marina Bay. Other companies have boosted range by adding wings. So companies like Germany's Lilium have an aircraft that can take off vertically, but can also tilt its wings and engines and fly more like a regular plane. Lilium expects its aircraft to have a range of 185 miles, which is 300 kilometers. That's, that's quite far. Vertical Aerospace in the UK is also working on eVTOL with wings that it hopes will fly more than 100 miles. But the industry could still dearly love to see a breakthrough in battery technology, which would make all these prototypes much more useful aircraft. Huh. So there we go. Can't, no excuse for being late for work in the near future. The next article is from Blockchain. And this is called, the title is China's President Xi, Xi, President Xi, uh, Jinping wants the country to take the leading position in blockchain. And that's from the website www.theblockcrypto.com. So the article starts with uh, over here, China's President Xi 
said on Tuesday that the country's Communist Party would regard blockchain as a core technology for important innovative breakthroughs and should commit to accelerating the development of the technology. And she stressed that China already has a solid foundation to develop blockchain technology. Therefore, it is necessary to strengthen and let China take the leading position in the emerging field of blockchain. The country needs to accelerate the standardization of blockchain research, which will in turn give China more power in setting rules and standards internationally, she said. According to Chi, see, and I should have looked that up before the podcast, I apologize. Uh, China will also promote the integration of blockchain technology with the real world economy and solve real world problems in the existing banking and financial services. China has also been researching and developing its national digital currency for almost five years, and it's ready to launch in the near future. So not only has it got its own blockchain that it's just about to launch, but it's also going to invest in blockchain in a real world. And if you follow this emerging technology report, you'll see that China is just involved in so many emerging technologies from solar uh, to robotics, and they really are pushing ahead and just creating uh, a lead over other company, countries out there. We'll, so we'll see what that happens there. Next article is from Digital Biology and Biotechnology, and there's two articles in this te- exponential technology category. The first one is quite exciting and scary, and that's uh, titled Super Precise New um, CRISPR Tool Could Tackle a Plethora of Genetic Diseases. And that's taken from the website nature.com. So the article says, for all the cases with which the wildly popular um, CRISP, so I'm going to call it CRISP, but that's the acronym, C-R-I-S-P-R, so CRISP, Cas9 gene editing tool alters genomes, it's still somewhat clunky and prone to errors and unintended effects. Now a recently developed alternative offers greater control over genome edits, an advance that could be particularly important for developing gene therapy. Uh, The alternative method, called prime editing, improves the chances that researchers will end up with only the edits they want instead of a mix of changes they can't predict. The tool described in a study published on the 21st of October in Nature magazine and website also produces the off-target effects that are a key challenge, reduces the off-target effect that are a key challenge for some applications of the standard CRISPR-Cas9 system that could make prime editing-based gene therapy safer for use in people. The tool also seems capable of making a wider variety of edits which might one day allow it to be used to treat the many genetic diseases that have so far stymied gene editors. David Liu, a chemical biologist at the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and lead study author, estimates that prime editing might help researchers tackle nearly 90% of more than 75,000 diseases associated DNA variants listed in ClinVar, a public database developed by the U.S. National Institute for Health, uh, of Health. This, the specificity of the changes that this latest tool is capable of could also make it easier for researchers to develop model, uh, models of diseases uh, in the laboratory or to study the function of specific genes, says Liu. It's early days, but the initial results look fantastic, said Brittany M. Adamson, who studies DNA repair and gene editing at Princeton University in New Jersey. You're going to see a lot of people using it. Prime editing may not be able to 
make the very big DNA insertions and deletions that CRISP-Cas9 is capable of, so it's unlikely to completely replace the well-established editing tool, says molecular biologist Eric uh, Santhamir at the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester. That's because for prime editing, the change that a researcher wants to make is encoded on a strand of RNA. The longer that strand gets, the more likely it is to be damaged by enzymes in the cell. CRISPR-Cas9, uh, CRISPR-Cas9, the prime editing boot, both works for cutting DNA at a specific point in the genome. CRISPR-Cas9 breaks both strands of the DNA, double helix, and then relies on the cell's own repair system to patch the damage and makes the edits. But the repair system is unreliable and can insert or delete DNA letters at the point where the genome was cut. This can lead to an uncontrollable mixture of edits that vary between cells. In addition, even when researchers include a template to guide how the genome is edited, the DNA repair system is, in most cells is more likely to make those small random insertions or deletions that more uh, small random insertions or deletions than, uh, than to add a specific DNA sequence to the genome. That makes it difficult, and in some cases nearly impossible, for research, researchers to use the CRISPR-Cas9 to overwrite one piece of DNA with a sequence of their choosing. Prime editing bypasses these problems, although it also uses Cas9 to recognize specific DNA sequences. Just like CRISPR-Cas9 does, the Cas9 enzyme is the prime editing tool in modified to only one DNA strand. Then a second enzyme called reverse transcript transcriptase and guided by a strand of RNA that makes the edits of this at the site of the cut. I'm sorry that I bumbled over that last thing, but like I said in my introduction, I'm not a scientist. But what is crazy, so let's just get to layman's because I am a layman, that they are able to edit the DNA. And I, I guess like babies, this is going to be absolutely unbelievably incredible. But also for diseases, it's going to lengthen the lifespan of humans. And just this is this is science fiction, really. And like a lot of these exponential technologies, it's not going to be science fiction for much longer. And th these kind of additions that you can, you know, imagine checking into a hospital and then just having your DNA modified slightly, diseases eradicated. Um, you know, especially if you've got a, a family history of heart disease or cancer. So, yeah, watch this space. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in future. The next article, and fantastic article as well, is also from the digital biology and biotechnology and technology category. And the article is, scientists are literally spinning up lab-grown meat. And this is from www.wire.com. And this is relates to an article that was in my technology report in the second edition, I think it was, and that's uh, using bioprinters to create meat in the International Space Station. So this is really becoming um, you know, quite a thing and, and will become a reality in the not too distant future. So this is what the article says. When Cypher is selling out his compatriots over dinner with Agent Smith in the Matrix, he, he muses, I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know that I, what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. And this has got a lot to do with this particular article. So, uh, that you know, the matrix. So it says, in a simulation like the matrix, ones and zeros represent every nuance of that steak. The texture, the smell, the flavor. 
Here in 2019, scientists are still stuck in the lab racing to reverse engineer animal flesh component by component with the goal of one day feeding the carnivores amongst us in a more sustainable way. To that end, Harvard researchers have taken inspiration from a cotton candy machine to develop a kind of meat scaffold made of thin strands of gelatin that mimic muscle fibers on which animal cells grow. It's a step towards steaks, chicken breasts, and pulled pork grown in a factory instead of a field. But before you get too hungry, understand that it's by quite some time before slabs of lab-grown meat land on your plate. (laughs) Goodness. So about that cotton candy machine. The carnival version works by heating sugar in a container and spinning it at high speed, flinging the sugar out and crystallizing it into strands, which form into a cloud, usually colored pink. Some principles, the same principle behind the machine, these researchers piece together. Though their spins much faster at 30,000 revs per minute. And pardon this next metaphor, but the next component is a, a sort of toilet seat. So this is actually a really well-written article, so I'd encourage you to go and read it as well. If you put that cotton candy machine upside down in a toilet bowl full of solvent, you could spin a whole lot of fibers, says Harvard bioengineer Kit Parker, a co-author on a new paper describing the work. The solvent, a mixture of ethanol and water, keeps the fibers from falling apart as they fling out of the supercharged cotton candy machine. The fibers themselves are made of pig-derived gelatin, which is a product of broken-down collagen. In a regular steak, collagen forms what's known as extracellular matrix, or the scaffolding that holds the meat together. How it's cooked then defines its structure and flavor. For instance, you'll probably have at least one terribly cooked steak that curls up at the edges. It's not very tasty, it's pretty dry, says Parker. The collagen curls up instead of transitioning into gelatin. By contrast, in slow-cooked pulled pork, the low temperatures gives collagen the chance to turn into flavor-packed gelatin. And by using gelatin to make these fibers, the researchers can create a tender meat analog. Now, some big caveats here. The researchers didn't do a taste test because, for for one, this isn't a food-safe lab. (laughs) So they didn't taste the stuff that's been created. Also, this lab-grown meat isn't cooked, which will transform it into a complex yet-to-be-studied ways. And growing the animal cells, whether in a Petri dish or another lab-grown meat companies are tinkering with, or on those gelatin fibers, is still a tricky process that requires the right temperatures, moisture, and nutrient content. It's very expensive, in large part because the process requires pricey animal-derived serums to nourish the growing cells. But the focus on the cost of the lab-grown meat has overshadowed some of the industry's challenges with nailing the chewiness. Up until this point, a lot of the talk has been around reducing costs and scaling up, says Elliot Schwartz, senior scientist of the Good Food Institute, which promotes the lab-grown meat industry. All those things are extremely important, but there's a lot of work to be done on this replication of texture to make these products that consumers are going to want to buy. At the moment, companies that grow animal cells to make unstructured products like ground beef or chorizo are just fine because it's a mush of meat. But to actually replicate a steak in the lab, that's going to take some work. Not only does the meat have to grow in nice fibers, you have to incorporate connective tissues and fat. 
the critical component that makes a ribeye so good and lean chicken kind of horrible is that. So if it all comes together and lab-grown steaks eventually are what's for dinner, they'll be meticulously engineered foods that somehow look and smell like meat before and after cooking, and then somehow taste and feel like meat in your mouth. <laughs> so that's quite a crazy article. And once again, I just encourage you to go to the blog and download and have a look at that article for yourself. It's, um, you know, sci-fi once again. Next article is from Network and Computer Systems. And this is quite an interesting because I think it's going to have huge ramifications in the cloud computing world. And this is an article that's there's dozens and dozens of these articles on the on the web at the moment. This particular one is titled Pentagon Awards $10 billion Cloud Computing Deal to Microsoft, snubbing Amazon. And this is this one is from theguardian.com in the UK. The Pentagon has awarded Microsoft a $10 billion cloud computing contract, beating out favorite Microsoft, uh, beating out favorite Amazon, whose competitive bid drew criticism from US President Donald Trump and its business rivals. Bidding for the huge project known as Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, or JEDI, pitting its leading technology titans Microsoft, Amazon, Oracle, and IBM against one another. The contracting process had, has long been mired in conflict of, interesting, of interest allegations and drew the attention of Donald Trump, who has publicly taken swipes at Amazon and its founder, Jeff Bezos, who also owns the Washington Post, and you know what Donald Trump thinks of the Washington Post. Trump, in August, said his administration was reviewing Amazon's bid after complaints from other companies. Amazon is considering options for protesting the award, as you would expect. A person familiar with the matter said, Although the Pentagon boasts the world's most potent fighting force, its information technology remains woefully inadequate, according to many officials. Officials have complained of having outdated computer systems and being unable to access files or shared information as quickly as they might be able to in the private sector. So that is going to have huge ramifications in the cloud world, but I would think it's going to be you know, in the law courts for quite some time. Next article, and this is for you if you want to sell something, and I'll tell you what it is. But it's from Robotics, and the article is, Want $125,000 US dollars? Just donate your face to some humanoid robots. And this is from popularmechanics.com. So need a pile of cash fast? Have a face, which hopefully we all do. Then step right up to wave the copyrights to your face. In exchange, you'll receive about $125,000. And best of all, one day you'll see your face on an army of humanoid robots. Geomic, I think it's pronounced, an addictive manufacturing and machining startup based in London, additive rather, mm -hmm. is looking for a person to fork over their face for a new line of human-looking robots. While the details are tight under wraps, we do know there's potential for said face to be mass-produced on thousands of robots in in terms of the client, little was disclosed outside the fact that the company is privately funded and has taken investments from venture capitalists and a fund in Sh Shanghai. So once again, China. The robot is meant to work as a virtual friend for elderly people, so there's a good chance that this client works in the medical field. The project has been underway for five years and expected to go into production next year. As for the secretness, secretiveness, the company in question said it wants anonymity Hmm. I'm struggling over these words today, due to the nature of the product. But the robot will soon be readily available 
to the public and the company thinks this campaign will create some buzz ahead of the official release. The good news, if your face is indeed selected, you'll at least be fully debriefed on the details, but you won't be contacted if you aren't chosen. We know that this is an extremely unique request and signing over the license to your face is, ex is potentially an extremely big decision, uh, <laughs> as it would be. Um, so are you going to go and click on that link and think of signing over your face? Uh, <clears throat> right. Next one and last article for this release is also in robotics. Uh, and this article is first ever humanoid robot powered by cloud artificial intelligence. And this is taken from techrepublic.com. So who needs to use that delicate tiny sewing staple when there's now a robot that can th thread a needle for you? CloudMinds XR1 5G humanoid robots with vision-controlled grasping technique and intricate manual tasks intricate, intricated with guests at the Sprint in, in exhibit at the Mobile World Congress 2019 Los Angeles in Los Angeles. The XR1 robot is powered by cloud artificial intelligence, one of the first of its kind. Sprint True Mobile 5G, the proprietary vision-controlled grasping tech, which means it not only can thread a needle, but can serve drinks and can be programmed to do other tasks, including manufacturing. The re revolutionary XR1 robot is a service robot, which also leverages human operator input for con constant learning. Overall, intelligent cloud robots paint the most vibrant picture of how 5G's ultra-low latency, exponentially faster speeds, and wider reach can dramatically improve response times and enable a new world of applications, said Bill Huang, founder and CEO of CloudMinds, in a release. A combination of new technologies brings XR to life, and that is the Cloud Brain, which is HERIX, which is an acronym for Human Augmented Robotics Intelligence with Extreme Reality. CloudMinds' Cloud Brain is a hybrid operating platform supervised by a human operator. The highly scalable system can host numerous robot brains simultaneously. Vision processing, natural language processing, robotic motion control, vision-guided grasping, and manipulation are also just capabilities integrated organically into the platform. And secondly, nerve network. Um, that's an ultra-secure intranet. Um, Mission-critical solutions require unprecedented levels of connections, uh, security from the chip to the board, to the cloud. CloudMind's virtual backbone network, which is acronym is VBN, combines high-performance, low-latency fixed and mobile network technology, blockchain technologies, and other innovations to manage cloud robotics through con connectivity completely isolated from the internet guaranteeing security. So there you go. And every article I read brings the, you know, the Terminator scenario, which actually is another movie on the circuit now that's just been released. But those Terminators are, maybe not Terminators, but those ro robots that look like Terminators are around the corner. And like all these exponential technologies are getting faster and arriving faster than we actually think. It's quite an incredible and maybe even scary world out there. So that's something to think about. Okay, we hope that you found this report both interesting and useful. If you'd like to subscribe to our weekly update, then you know, go to the podcast and subscribe, or you can go to www.ideastorm.ca.za and subscribe to the blog there. So here we go. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.